Happy New in America, and welcome to the Dean's List. Prayer, could it truly be the engine behind the renovation of our education system? Is it really that simple? One politician thinks it might be, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. We'll talk about my reasons why next on the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen, and you are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. I am very happy to have you on board the Dean's List. Uh, it is an honor to have such a smart audience. As they say, only the smart kids are on the Dean's List. So congratulations uh, on being on board. Before we dive into the topic at hand, I want to thank Malcolm for having me on Viewpoint this Sunday yesterday. Uh, it was a wonderful discussion. And um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, I just want to say thank you to him for that. And uh, I, and also thank you for welcoming me to the America Out Loud Talk Radio family. Uh, I love being a part of this group. I'm surrounded by talent here. And I feel like I'm surrounded really by talent wherever I go. Uh, I want to thank my son, Joshua, for putting together that theme music. Uh, it sounds excellent. I absolutely love it. You know, when we were talking about putting this show together, uh, I came to Joshua and said, uh, I got to have some theme music. What can you put together for me? Because he is extremely talented. He uh, he plays several instruments and he plays them well. So he said, uh, okay, dad, what do you need? What do you want? What are you looking for? I said, I don't know what I'm looking for, but I want it I want it to be smooth. I want it to be driving and I want it to be epic. And that's that's the, the only instruction I gave him. And uh, he came back a little while later and, and produced this beautiful uh, piece of work. So Joshua, thank you for that. I am very grateful for it. It helps to be surrounded by talent. It helps to be surrounded by uh, talented people that make you sound better and make you look better. So I am grateful for that. Well, let's dive into the topic here today. Uh, is it truly that simple as prayer? Is prayer really the thing that could change the educational landscape in this country? Matt Gates seems to think that it might, and he is proposing a bill, and he's calling it the Protect Prayer in Schools Act of 2023. I'm going to play the clip for you. Uh, here in a little bit before this uh, show is over today. We're, we're going to hear from him directly. But before we get into it, I just want to, I want to know what you think. What do you think about it? Is it really that simple as prayer? It, is prayer really the thing? So right now it is, well, it's illegal, I guess. I mean, just to, just to call it simply. Students are, are not allowed to pray in schools. I heard someone say, and I think I even read it the other day, that as long as there are math exams and math tests that are going to be given in schools, there's going to be prayer. But on an allowed level, I guess, if I can say it that way, uh, you know, it's not, it's not allowed. And if it was, do you think it would change things? The other day I asked the question, 
uh, on a scale of one to 10, where would you rank education in our country? And I still pose that question to you. I'd like you to shoot me an email, dean at the deanslist.us, dean at the deanslist.us, and let me know what you think. Where do you think education is ranked on a scale of one to 10? In your opinion, now we could look at at the scales. We could compare American education to all the other countries of the world. We could compare our education state by state. We could look at those rankings and those metrics. But uh, really what matters um, is what you think about it. Where do you rank us? Where do the citizens of the country rank us? It's that anecdotal evidence to me that that counts. On a scale of one to 10, where do you rank us and why? Let me know why. And also throw in there, do you think prayer is going to help? In my opinion, uh, prayer will change everything. And I've got data. I've got, um, as they say, uh, I'm bringing receipts, and we're going to go through it here. Yes, in my opinion, prayer will change everything. The other day, we talked about uh, the letter that Samuel Adams wrote to his cousin John. October 4th, 1790, Samuel Adams is the lieutenant governor of Massachusetts, and he's writing a letter to his cousin John Adams, who's the vice president of the United States. And in that letter, Samuel Adams says to John that uh, we need to we, we we need to have patriots unite in their endeavors to renovate the age. Which uh, I mentioned the other day that that seems kind of shocking, at least to me, that Samuel Adams would tell John that the age needed to be renovated. The word renovation at, at their time. This word meant this, to renew or restore to the first state or a good state after decay, destruction, or deprivation. So for some reason, Samuel Adams felt like the age that he and John were currently living in had fallen into decay, destruction, or deprivation. He said the age needed to be renovated. And he said the way to do that is to impress on the minds of men the importance of educating their little boys and little girls in four areas. He said the first area is educate them in the fear and the love of God. The second area is universal philanthropy, which is essentially telling them, love your neighbor as yourself. The third area, he said, is in the love of country. And the fourth is in the art of self-government. He said, we can renovate the age. Samuel Adams is telling John, we can renovate our age if we will instruct the men, if we'll tell the fathers, teach your kids these four things. And the age that they're living in is, is, is the age of the Constitution. It has just freshly been written and ratified. We're just three years after the Constitution Convention. And Samuel Adams is telling John, we need to renovate the age. And we need to do it in those four things. The fear of the Lord. Universal philanthropy. Love for our fellow man. Love of country. 
and art of self-government. I would sum it up this way, and it, it all centers around the word love. Love and fear God, love our neighbors, love our country, and love ourselves. To be, to be entrenched in the art of self-government is essentially self-control. And it is really a love for ourselves. If I love myself, I'm going to control myself. I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to step out in, into areas that that I shouldn't be stepping out into. I'm going to have self control. I'm going to love myself, love my country, love my neighbor, and love my God. Samuel Adams is telling John, "This is what we need to renovate the age." And it starts with prayer. It starts with a relationship with God. And what if we, what if, what if that was allowed in our schools again? In my school, it is allowed. I am the head of school at Waterbrook Christian Academy. We are a classical Christian school. Uh, we do allow prayer. We are in the thriving metropolis of Flint, Michigan. As I said the other day, the water capital of the world. And um, I said, some of you might think that Waterbrook gets its name because we're in the water capital. That would not be correct. Waterbrook, we took the name Waterbrook. We originally formed as a school under the name Cornerstone Christian Academy in 2007. My wife and I and a, and a handful of parents and grandparents, we started Cornerstone Christian Academy. And Cornerstone is a great, solid name. Uh, it, it carries much symbolism. Being that Christ is our cornerstone, when we founded this school, we thought, yeah, Cornerstone's a great name. It's a solid name. Uh, there's great symbolism there. That's the name we want. And we realized after a couple of years that everybody else wanted that name. And that's probably why they wanted it. I mean, we'd have people call and say, hey, uh, is this uh, Cornerstone Construction? Uh, no, sir, this this isn't Cornerstone Construction. Uh, well, do you, do you know how I can get a hold of Cornerstone Construction? Uh, I, I mean, he might not have sounded like that, but uh, that call just seemed to be happening more and more and more. Uh, secular businesses were named Cornerstone. Churches are named Cornerstone. Schools, universities, you know, they love the name Cornerstone. So after a couple of years, we decided, we, let's change the name. We want something that's going to stand out and be unique, but we still want that name to have meaning to us. And so we chose Waterbrook. Waterbrook comes from Psalm 42.1. And the Psalm says, as the heart pants after the water brooks, so my soul pants after you, O God. The writer of this psalm uh, is looking at this heart, H-A-R-T. The heart is, is an older male deer. It's, it's a majestic deer. The, the rack of antlers on the, on the heart is massive. And it's, it's, it's an animal that is mature. And yet, in its maturity, in its regalness, it still understands its need 
for the crystal clear waters of the brook. It still realizes it has a desire and a need and a thirst to drink from those fresh, clean waters. And the writer of Psalm 42 uh, sees himself in the same vein, that he still has, just like that heart, has a need for the water brook. This writer, his soul has this need and and this passion for God. And that's why we went with that name. Our mascot is is the heart. We are the hearts. And our name is Waterbrook because that is our passion. As a school, that's our passion. That's our desire. We want to follow hard after God. We want to have a desire and a passion for him. And we want to instill that desire and that passion into our students. And so that name had meaning to us. And I believe that having the opportunity to engage daily in prayer with our Creator and giving that opportunity to our students, I believe it makes all the difference. I absolutely believe it changes everything. And I I think if, if that were available, if that were available to our students across the public school spectrum, I believe it would change everything. Matter of fact, um, I will show you here later on uh, how it absolutely will change everything. And because prayer has been removed, things have gotten only worse. I will show you the, the statistics. So to answer the opening question, is it really that simple? Is prayer really the thing? Is prayer really the the engine that could renovate our education system? Is it that is it that forerunner that could do what Samuel Adams said to John needed to be happened, that the age needed to be renovated? Is prayer that thing? Yes. Yes, prayer is that thing. Prayer is the catalyst that will engage us in renovating the age. Prayer is the catalyst that will engage us in the love and the fear of God, love for our fellow man, love for our country, and love for ourselves. I want to play a clip for you. This is Congressman Matt Gates just a couple of weeks ago at the Turning Point Action Conference. And here he is going to uh, present to those in attendance, his idea for this uh, Protect Prayer in Schools Act. I want you to pay close attention to the response of the audience. Now, mind you, he is speaking to uh, high school, college-age students, young people. They're young people. They, um, Some of them may not even be able to vote yet. But this is his audience. I want you to pay special attention to the response from his audience. Let's take a listen. God's love does not halt 
for the limitations of man and God's reach does not stop at the schoolhouse gates. In the coming days, I will introduce a national prayer in school law so that in every classroom in America, there will be time for students to pray if they choose. And you know what? This beautiful new Supreme Court that President Trump gave us just might uphold a constitutional law like that based on the values that this country was built on. Yo, what do you think about that? Did you catch the, the audience applause? It was loud. It was massive. And if you go on YouTube and watch the video, you'll see the standing ovation he gets. These are young people that are thrilled with what Matt Gates is suggesting to them. They're ready for this. Now, granted, this is an audience that is conservative, that is patriotic, uh, probably Christian. Those three tend to go hand in hand. But listen to the response, even though they're Christian. They're young people. I'm assuming they're Christian, but they're young people. And they're desperate for this. They're desperate to be allowed to have conversation with, with their creator in their school. They want this. And the support in the youth community, based upon this reply, the support for Matt Gates coming out of this community, uh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what it looks like. And I think that our support needs to be massive. Our support uh, as adults, as conservative, patriotic, God-fearing citizens of the greatest country on the planet, our support of Matt Gates here needs to be massive. Give him a call. Find his number. Email him. Call him. It doesn't matter if he's your congressman or not. Let him know that you're in support of this. Let him know that you are behind this bill. It's called the Protect Prayer in Schools Act of 2023. I'm excited about it. I think this could be the springboard. This could be the thing. This could be the catalyst. All right, let's pause for a break. We will talk about it more on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. America Out Loud is the premier news network where smart people go to get their news and information. So congratulations on being one of the smart ones. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about, I guess, in essence, the power of prayer. Do you think that prayer could be the thing could be the one engine behind the renovation of our education system. I say yes. I say yes, it is the one thing. It is the thing that could change everything. And I believe would change everything if we had a Congress willing to um, willing to enact it. So in the last segment, I played the clip for you of Matt Gates telling the students at the Turning Point Action Conference about his plans to introduce a bill. And the bill is called Protect Prayer in Schools Act of 2023. The subscript says, to provide for a cause of action to remedy prohibitions on personal prayer in schools. I think it's sad that in this country we've we've reached a point where there are prohibitions on personal prayer in schools. It's prohibited. Can't do it. It's not allowed. It's not allowed, and it's it's not allowed in public schools. Uh, my wife and I, and a, and a and a handful of other individuals, started Waterbrook Christian Academy, and we wanted to have a place where our kids could could freely pray. We wanted a, a, an education that would be available for them that our founders foresaw us having in this country. Right now in public schools, we don't have that education. It is, it's lacking, and it's lacking severely. And much of it has to do with the prohibition on prayer. Prayer just isn't allowed. You know, for us, uh, prayer is everything. It, uh, it is an important element in our lives. It is the important element in our lives. It, 
it binds us and unites us to our creator. Unfortunately, you know, in our schools, our kids aren't taught that there's a creator. Instead, they're taught that they came from a monkey. Um, you know, when, when you're sitting in a science class and you have a teacher telling you that you evolved from a gorilla or some other primate, you came from a fish or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever the animal is that we came from. Would that, would that create in you a sense of purpose? Would that instill in you this fire of like, yeah, let's go. I came from a fish. Come on, let's, let's go do this thing. Let's go live life with a vengeance. Is that what would be instilled in you? Yes, little Johnny, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, but you were not created special for any reason. Uh, no, you, you came from a monkey. Uh, how degrading. Poor little Johnny. Uh, there is no purpose in that. There's no purpose in life. But if you are taught and if you believe that you were created by a loving creator, for a purpose, and you have a life that's worth living. You do you see the difference there? Do do you see that even the the difference and the passion for life? Let's go after life with everything that's inside of us, and we have this glorious opportunity to do this. We can make this thing happen, especially if we believe we have a purpose. And prayer unites us with that purpose if we allow it to. If we instruct our kids in this way of thinking, if we instruct our kids in the love and fear of the Lord, love for fellow man, love for country, love for themselves, self-governance, this gives us an opportunity to live life to the fullest with full purpose in mind ahead of us, directing us, taking us down the road, leading us into greater things, leading us into solutions for problems that are presented to us. You know, we need to take a day and just talk about uh, Ben Carson. We need to take a day and talk about Ben Carson and his life and how having a love and fear for God changed everything for him. Or George Washington Carver, let's just take a day. We're going to do this. We're just going to take a day and we're going to talk about George Washington Carver and the things that he has written and the things that he has said that describe what prayer did for him. And what prayer did for his ability to pull apart something as simple as the peanut and create solutions from something as simple as the peanut. We're going to take a day because prayer allows us to find solutions to things. It gives us purpose in life. It gives us direction. Could you imagine if our young people had the ability to openly pray in school, 
what that would do for them in terms of changing not only the trajectory of education, but the trajectory of their own personal lives. It is that important. What Matt Gate is proposing is truly that important. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Cindy and I decided that we were going to go to the middle of the mitten. It's a town in Michigan called St. Louis. St. Louis is the geographical center of Michigan. And we decided that we wanted to go to the park there. They've got a little, you know, a monument set up. And we just decided we wanted to go and pray. And uh, as part of our prayer, we read the Northwest Ordinance. Um, I want to read it to you. I don't know if you're familiar with the Northwest Ordinance. I think we should probably take some time and really uh, talk about it in earnest. But the Northwest Ordinance, I guess, let's just do a quick history lesson on the Northwest Ordinance. It is a document that Congress drafted in the summer of 1787. This was actually during the Constitutional Convention, but it was before the Constitution was was finished. Earlier in the summer, they draft the Northwest Ordinance. Matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson is the author of the Northwest Ordinance. And it was a governing document to instruct the Northwest Territory on how to enter statehood and how to govern themselves. So the Northwest Territory is everything north of the Ohio River and then to the west up to the Mississippi. And the ordinance says that you know you could have two to five states maybe be formed out of this out of this territory. And it laid the groundwork for these states to enter the Union on an equal footing with the original 13. Of course, the five states that come out of the Northwest Territory are my state of Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So there are there are there are things in the Northwest Ordinance that states, these five states, have to abide by. For example, one of them is uh, there can be no slavery. There can be no slavery in these states. That is in the Northwest Ordinance in Article 6. So every state must be a free state as it's coming into the Union. So literally in the Michigan Constitution, it cites verbatim Article 3 from the Northwest Ordinance which says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude unless for the punishment of crime shall ever be tolerated in this state. It's very interesting. Something else from the Northwest Ordinance, and this is what Cindy and I read when we were in the middle of the mitten. It says uh, in Article 3 of the Northwest Ordinance, says religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. So we read that, uh, believing that this once again needs to be reestablished. That this law, which is in the Northwest Ordinance, which is also in the Michigan Constitution, if you look at the Michigan Constitution, Article 8, that is the article that talks about education. 
it cites this section verbatim. Cites it verbatim. You know, but in this state, uh, I don't believe that religion, morality, and knowledge are are a part of education anymore. And it's in our constitution because it's in the Northwest Ordinance. Religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools and means of education shall forever be encouraged. It's it's part of the deal. Uh, it's it's got to be it's got to be that way in education. And it's not. So, you know, us, you know, we go to the middle of the state, we we just offer up this prayer. You know, and then and we say, God, this is this was written in our founding documents. The Northwest Ordinance is one of the original four foundational documents of our country. And this is in that document. And because it's in that document, it is in my state constitution. And it's probably also in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. If you live in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin, here's your homework assignment. I want you to look up your state constitution and then uh, let me know if it if it's in there, let me know if Article Three of the Northwest Ordinance is in your state constitution. Send me an email. Let's get this dialogue going. Dean at the Dean's List dot us. Dean at the Dean's List dot us. I want to know. I want to know if it's there. So there's your there's your homework assignment. But it's in our state constitution. So Cindy and I go to the middle of the mitten. Uh, and we believe so much in the power of prayer and in the importance of just praying these things that we we read the Northwest Ordinance and the section out of our Constitution, and we just, you know, we didn't make a big deal about it. I, you know, people didn't know what was happening. We're just standing at the monument, and we just whisper under our breath, uh, God, restore this. Restore this to our country. Um Bring us back to our to our original footings. Bring us back to the foundation that was laid in the 1700s and in the 1800s. Bring us back to this place because um, if we don't if we don't get back to this place, we are in jeopardy of all being lost. Now I am I am a hopeful person. I'm an optimist. Uh, I believe that there's always hope. There is always hope. But we have to get back to where we were. We have to find our way back to this foundation. And it was a foundation. It is a foundation that began, as Samuel Adams said, with love and fear for God, love for each other, love for our country. Um Love for ourselves, the art of self-government. Love is the centerpiece, and prayer is the engine. Prayer is the thing that would turn this whole thing around. It would start with prayer. Uh, I believe that wholeheartedly. I do. I I just uh, I think Matt Gates is onto something when he is. Introducing Protect Prayer in Schools Act of 2023. I believe he's onto something. Uh, it's a bill to provide for a cause of action 
to remedy prohibitions on personal prayer in schools. So there was a time, and it really wasn't that long ago, um, 1957. So there's this trail in Michigan. I guess let me let me start with a story. There's a bike trail in Michigan. It's called the Iron Bell Trail. And it starts at the very bottom of the mitten, uh, really in the Detroit River on Belle Isle. And it goes all the way up through the mitten and through the UP in the Iron Mountain region. And so it's called the Iron Bell Trail. And there's a stretch of that trail between Otter Lake and Millington. If you are familiar with Michigan, then you, you know the area. That stretch is about five miles. And Cindy and I rode it the other day. At the end of that trail in Millington, it stops at um, the school grounds. And there's a nice pavilion there set up. And, you know, you can take a break on the picnic tables and get out some water. And so we did that. Over on the wall of this pavilion, there's a plaque. And it's a plaque dedicating the original Glaza Elementary School there in 1957. This is the, the date of the dedication. Listen to what this dedication says from 1957. We can truly say that this school building has a sacred purpose. What more sacred thing is there than a human life? What greater trust do any of us have than the care of the children of this world? What finer investment can we make of our money than to use it for the sacred purpose of developing worthy law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. Our schools, homes, and churches share in this sacred purpose. That was 1957. And this is a decree being made by the school board in Millington, Michigan. And they're referring to the sacred purpose that schools have. And the sacred purpose is developing worthy, law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. This was before that time in 1962 and 63 when, when Christianity uh, was really under assault and was removed from the schools in the form of the Bible and, and prayer being taken out the sacred purpose and the mind of the school board was to develop worthy law-abiding god-fearing citizens and it continued and said our schools homes and churches share in this sacred purpose there was a time in this country when our schools homes and churches shared in the sacred purpose and we're going to dive a little deeper into it on the other side of the break, let's pause here for a moment. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us 
in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm happy to have you on board. I've had uh, many people ask me how they can listen to the program. Uh, you can listen on iHeartRadio or the world-class media player here at AmericaOutloud.news or on the free apps at Apple, Alexa, Android. Uh, and of course, uh, the show goes to podcast. Uh, usually the next day you can find this show on all of the uh, platforms where you listen to your podcast. So again, we're uh, happy that you're on board. We're, we're talking about um, about prayer. And if it is truly, could it possibly be as simple as prayer being the catalyst that could uh, save education in the country? Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, it is. I am interested in what you think, though, on the matter. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email, dean at the deanslist.us. Dean at the deanslist.us. I would love to get the dialogue going with you. Uh, what do you think? Is, is prayer the thing that could turn it around? Do you agree with me or do you disagree with me? Tell me why. Uh, if you don't think prayer is the catalyst, I, I would love to have a conversation about it. Also, I'm interested to know where you think uh, education is at in our country on a scale of one to 10. Where do you see it? Uh, is it a 10? Tell me why. Is it a three and a half? Tell me why. Um, let's get that conversation uh, going. Let's let's talk about it. In addition to shining the light of truth, uh, this show wants to shine the light of hope. We want to shine truth on where education is at, and we also want to shine hope. Uh, there is hope. I am an optimist. I believe in hope. Um, I finished uh, the last segment uh, talking about our bike ride on the Iron Bell Trail that ended up at Millington Schools. And there at a, a beautiful pavilion on the wall is a plaque. And it's a plaque dedicating the 1957 Glaza Elementary School building. And it's a, a plaque from the school board. The school board is making this dedication. And they use the language of sacred purpose. They say that uh, we can truly say that this school building has a sacred purpose. Um, there was a time in America when our schools you know, believed in the sacred purpose. And they define what the sacred purpose is here in this plaque. They say the sacred purpose of developing worthy, law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. That was their sacred purpose in 1957. It was to develop worthy, law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. 
do you think that is still the the objective of the public school in the town where you live? Is that their purpose? I I challenge you. You know what? Here's another homework assignment. Uh, this is your second homework assignment. I hope you're taking notes because uh, tomorrow when class starts, I'm going to expect this on my desk. Your second assignment is to go to your public school, call a meeting with the principal, the vice principal, the head of curriculum, your, your child's classroom teacher, or the janitor. I don't care. Just get a meeting with someone in the public school. Ask them what their purpose is. What is the purpose of the school? You don't even have to use the term sacred purpose. I just want to know what do they think the purpose of the school is? Will you, please, will you do this? Will you do this for me? And then shoot me an email because I want to know what they say. Dean at the deanslist.us. Send me an email, dean at the deanslist.us. Go to your public school, call them on the phone. Matter of fact, as soon as this show is over with, pick up the phone, call the office. We're early August. Uh, there's someone in the office probably. You know, this show ends at three o'clock, two to three. So uh, it's a Monday. Uh, pick up the phone and call them. Someone's probably still there. And see if you can get a meeting or maybe just ask the secretary on the phone. Um, excuse me, ma'am. I'm just wondering. What could you tell me what the purpose of this school is? And she's probably going to say, "Well, what do you mean? The purpose is to educate." I, I know, but but is there a deeper purpose? What is the deeper purpose? And if she says the sacred purpose is to develop worthy, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens, I'm going to fall out of my chair. I might even hurt something. I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, I hope she says that. I hope I don't fall out of my chair. I would be shocked, surprised, and amazed if that was her reply. But that's your homework assignment. I need you to do that. Here's why I don't think they're going to say that our purpose is to develop worthy, law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. Here's why I don't think that. Um, next to the Next to the 1957 plaque in this pavilion, there is a plaque from 2015, and it's a plaque dedicating the, the pavilion, the actual pavilion. I'm going to read a portion of that plaque. It's just a just a short sentence, but it'll it'll juxtapose where we are compared to where we used to be. Here it is. To help our young community, so this is now their purpose, all right? And it's this, to help our young community members receive a solid foundation from which they would become successful students and citizens. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That is a fine, excellent purpose, to help our young community members receive a solid foundation from which they can become successful students and citizens. It's a great purpose. I'm all for it. But do you see where we've where where we've lost here? Do you see what's missing in the in the verbiage? There's no language of a sacred purpose. Um, you know, there's no language of developing worthy, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens. 
it's just a language that says, you know, we want our students, our young community members to become successful students and citizens. Nothing about worthy, nothing about law-abiding, nothing about God-fearing. And there is certainly no proclamation that the school is in unity of this purpose with the church and the home. There's no mention of a church. Of course, there's no mention of, of God because it's no longer allowed. You know, this public school. Now, this board here, they might be God-fearing people. You know, Millington is a great community. Um, you know, I know people that live in Millington. It's a great community. And the teachers in the Millington schools might be God-fearing individuals. I'm not um I'm not saying anything negatively about uh, about this particular public school or the teachers that are there. I'm talking about the picture of where we are today in our society. I'm talking about the the picture of where we are in our culture. That from 1957 to 2015, almost 60 years, you can see what we've lost where the school district once believed that they had a sacred purpose of developing worthy, law-abiding, and God-fearing citizens. They once believed that that sacred purpose they shared with the home and the church. And, and even though you know some people in the building might still believe that, they're not allowed to say it. And this is... This is where we are, and this is what Matt Gates is getting at when he is proposing this, this bill, um, this Protect Prayer in Schools Act. This is, this is the beginning of that. And we had it on our very beginning, at least in Michigan we did, thanks to the Northwest Ordinance. Do you know there's a portion in the ordinance, the Northwest Ordinance, it's Section 11. It says that uh, any laws passed in the states that would come out of this Northwest Territory should not be repugnant to the principles and articles in this ordinance. So any law that comes out of Michigan cannot be repugnant to the principles of the Northwest Ordinance. You know, that's why in Michigan, it says religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind, schools, and the means of education shall forever be encouraged. That in our constitution, it says we should encourage at the public schools, we should encourage religion, morality, and knowledge. So, you know, that law obviously is not repugnant to the Northwest Ordinance. It's taken verbatim. But are we following it? Is it being followed in Michigan? I would say no. I would say to you, no, it is not. I live here. I know it's not being followed. I wonder, is it being followed in Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin? So re remember your first homework assignment, those of you that live in those states. Check your constitutions and compare Article 3 of the Northwest Ordinance to your state constitutions. I want to know if it's there. I mean, I can tell you right now, but you've got the homework assignment.
so my question to our leaders is how how come we're not what happened how come we're not abiding by this by this law it's in one of our our four foundational founding documents the northwest ordinance and it's in our state constitution or at least at least ours at least michigan what happened what happened from between 1957 to 2015? What went down in this country where schools no longer consider a sacred purpose of developing God-fearing citizens? Now we just want to develop, not even use develop. The word develop isn't even used there. It's just to help our young community members receive a solid foundation from which they would become successful students. You notice that the young community members are are receiving. Um, you know, there there isn't any action there on their part. There isn't any action. They're not being developed. Even the language becomes different. Even in the way that that we present the information, there's just a difference. And could it be that that the one missing ingredient is something as simple as prayer? Is it really that simple? Is it, is it true that prayer is the one missing ingredient in all of this? I do believe the answer is yes. The answer to the question is yes. And uh, Matt Gates would agree with me. Prayer is that one missing ingredient. It's the opportunity to engage in biblical principles. Listen to what Benjamin Rush said. Benjamin Rush is one of our founding fathers. He is a signer of the Declaration, and uh, he might even be called the father of American public education. He was uh, very adamant about starting free public schools in the country in the uh, revolutionary time. Listen to what he said. I had rather see the opinions of Confucius or Muhammad inculcated upon our youth than see them grow up wholly devoid of a system of religious principles. So he, he's saying, I, I would rather have our students be taught about Muhammad or Confucius rather than not be taught any religion at all. Rather be in a system, he says, totally devoid of religious principles. Because religious principles are the thing. He continues and he says, but the religion I mean to recommend in this place is that of the New Testament. All its doctrines and precepts are calculated to promote the happiness of society and the safety and well-being of civil government. He's saying, I, I don't want uh, Muhammad and Confucius taught in the schools. I want the religion of the New Testament. What religion is that? It's Christianity. Benjamin Rush, really the founder of, of the public education system in this country, says, I want Christianity taught in the schools because our children need to be in a system that is full of religious principles. It's um, 
It's like the language in 1957, a sacred purpose of developing worthy, law-abiding, God-fearing citizens. It was an education system that was founded and rooted in religious principles. And this is what Benjamin Rush is saying we need. He says all its doctrines and precepts are calculated. It means it's not, they're on purpose. They purposefully promote the happiness of society and safety and well-being of civil government. What does that sound like? It sounds a lot like the Northwest Ordinance, which says religion, morality, and knowledge being necessary to good government and the happiness of mankind. It almost sounds like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Rush are reading from the same playbook. It's because they were. It's because they were both Christian men. I mean, some people will tell you Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian. He, matter of fact, at one point, he ripped the words of Jesus right out of the Bible. Have you heard that story? I mean, it's true. He did. He didn't rip them out. He cut them out. And he pasted them onto another sheet of paper so he could have just the words of Jesus, just, just the words in red that he could meditate on. It's referred to as the Jefferson Bible. And people lambaste Jefferson for that. And they say he wasn't a Christian. Um, he might not have been as Christian as some of the others, but he was a God-fearing man. You know, I wish I had time to dive into it all today. If I had time to dive into Jefferson today, uh, we would do it. But we are. We're going to do it. We're going to dive into Jefferson we're going to dive back into Benjamin Rush. We're going to we're going to explore all this stuff because uh, we have to relay the foundation of biblical principles again in our education system. To me, I believe that there therein lies the hope. Therein lies the hope. Well, that's all for now, America. Uh, before we sign off, today is my anniversary with my beloved Cynthia. Thirty years, Cindy. Happy anniversary to you. Uh, she's on this journey with me. This uh, this is our show. Uh, even though she's not here on the microphone, we uh, we do the Dean's List together. So happy anniversary to you. Um, and everyone else, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the earth.